Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional throughout the Lenten season. I'm uh, just pulling some selections from a variety of books. This one's called Bread and Wine, and it is uh, subtitled Readings for Lent and Easter. And uh, there are writings here by, man, a wide variety of folks. Alistair McGrath, C.S. Lewis, John Updike, Dorothy Sayers, Frederick Beekner, Wendell Berry, G.K. Chesterton, and on and on. Brendan Manning, on and on the list goes. The editors have written an introduction that I'd like to read for you as I begin uh, this uh, Lenten season, just introducing you to a few of these books that you might want to purchase for yourself and work through. Uh, the introduction begins with a quote by uh, Graham Greene, or some of you will know him as Henry Graham Greene, the English novelist uh, uh, and essayist. I think he has 25 titles or had 25 titles to his name, but brilliant statement. He says, you can't conceive my child, nor can I or anyone. The appalling strangeness of the mercy of God. Yeah, that's what well, I got to say that again. Okay. You can't conceive my child, nor can I or anyone, the appalling strangeness of the mercy of God. Wow. That's all right. I'm drawn in. How about you? Dorothy Sayers writes that to make the Easter story into something that neither startles, shocks, terrifies, nor excites, is, quote, to crucify the Son of God afresh. So there's Dorothy Sayers picking up a little bit from some of what she reads in the New Testament. Certainly, that would have been unthinkable for Jesus' first followers who experienced it firsthand. The heady excitement of his entry into Jerusalem, the traitorous cunning of Judas, and the guilty recognition of their own cowardice, the terror of his slow suffocation, the finally, and finally the disarming wonder of an empty grave and a living body resurrected from the dead. As for us, his latter-day disciples, few would deny the magnitude or drama of these events. But how many of us embrace their pain and promise? How many of us, even at Easter, give Christ's death and resurrection any more attention than the weather? To observe Lent is to strike at the root of such complacency. Lent is a time of preparation, a time to return to the desert where Jesus spent 40 trying days readying for his ministry. He allowed himself to be tested. And if we are serious about following him, we will do the same. First popularized in the fourth century, Lent is traditionally associated with penitence, fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. It is a time for giving things up, balanced by giving to those in need. And indeed, uh, Lent, I think, is first. The idea of, of a 40-day fast, for instance, goes all the way back to Athanasius and Augustine um, and even the uh, Council at Nicaea. And so, yes, fourth century goes way, way, way back. And all of those kinds of practices uh, have been in a variety of different streams of the church employed uh, for us to um, lend our hearts, our minds, our our souls, 
to experiencing something uh, in the way of sacrifice, something in the way of giving up some of those things that have a grip on us so that we might uh, turn to the one who actually has a hold on us and uh, who in whose arms we are safe and uh, lovingly. So yet, whatever else it may be, say the editors to this book, Bread and Wine, Lent should never be morose, an annual ordeal during which we begrudgingly forego a handful of pleasures. Instead, we ought to approach Lent as an opportunity, not a requirement. After all, it is meant to be the church's springtime, a time when out of the darkness of sin's winter, a repentant, empowered people emerges. No wonder one liturgy refers to it as this joyful season. Put another way, Lent is the season in which we ought to be surprised by joy. Our self-sacrifices serve no purpose unless by laying aside this or that desire, we are able to focus on our heart's deepest longing, unity with Christ. In him, in his suffering and death, his resurrection and triumph, we find our truest joy. Such joy is costly, however. It arises from the horror of our sin with which Christ crucified. This is why Meister Eckert points out that those who have the hardest time with Lent are the good people, or at least the ones that think they are. <laughs> Most of us are willing to give up a thing or two. We may also admit our need for renewal, but to die with Christ? Spiritual masters often refer to a kind of dread, the nagging sense that we have missed something important and have been somehow untrue to ourselves, to others, to God. Lent is a good time to confront the source of that feeling. It is a time to let go of excuses for failings and shortcomings. A time to stop hanging on to whatever shreds of goodness we perceive in ourselves. A time to ask God to show us what we really look like. Finally, it's a time to face up to the personal role each of us plays in prolonging Christ's agony at Golgotha. See, we've got to acknowledge uh, before the cross of Christ was something, as John Stott says, something done for us, that it was the cross of Christ was something done by us. It's for our sin he died. Uh, because of my sin, Jesus went to the cross. The editors of Bread and Wine go on to say, as Richard John Newhouse, paraphrasing John Donne, advises, quote, send not to know by whom the nails were driven. They were driven by you and me. And yet our need for repentance cannot erase the good news that Christ overcame all sin. His resurrection frees us from ourselves. His empty tomb turns our attention away from all that is wrong with us and with the world and spurs us on to experience the abundant life he promises. Christ must increase and I must decrease. Um, the Apostle John declares, that's the editors here of this book. It's actually John the Baptist who says he must increase, I must decrease. And the Apostle John is the one that records that there in John chapter 3. 
Um, his words resonate through the readings collected in this book. The men and women who wrote them face the same challenge that we do to discover Christ, the scarred God, the weak and wretched God, the crucified dying God of blood and despair amid the alluring gods of our feel-good age. And there, just the, uh, just the, um, the, the graphic of... Uh, and the brutality of the scourging that Jesus went through is brought to mind. And certainly uh, we, uh, as we come to our Good Friday service, um, will focus in on the cross and the great sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, his seven sayings from the cross um, and all that they, all the riches that are held there for us in terms of understanding this God of the Bible and what might have motivated him to want to do such a thing for uh, the kinds of sinners and wretches that we that we really are. Mm. Amid all of the alluring gods of our feel-good age and those little g-gods that have no power to save, mm. that uh, aren't real gods at all, might have eyes but can't see, hands but can't do anything, feet but can't move, mouths but can't speak, certainly cannot save us. Mm -hmm. He reveals the appalling strangeness of divine mercy. I love this. Mm. This God does. The appalling strangeness of divine mercy and the love from which it springs. Again, all that motivated Christ to come is this love of God. Such love could not stay imprisoned in a cold tomb, nor need we if we truly surrender our lives to it. Signed the editors of Bread and Wine. Again, uh, just a host of uh, uh, maybe let me see how many writings there are here. 72 different writings. Uh, N.T. Wright, Henry Now, and uh, these are other names I didn't mention before. Philip Yancey, Dorothy Day, Le uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky, um, E. Stanley Jones, uh, Madeline Lengel. So just a great cross-section of, uh, of Christians from a variety of streams of the church in case you happen to be looking for another Lenten devotional to pick up. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you indeed uh, for your great sacrifice on our behalf and your even greater love toward us. Uh, I pray that that would be what would overwhelm us today as we consider um, your road, your walk toward the cross during the Lent season, the 40 days of Lent. Um, even as we consider what you did, may we be overwhelmed by why you did it <laughs> and uh, your great love and mercy for us. Uh, I pray that someone today uh, who might be listening or watching, uh, this would be um, amazingly astonished, put in uh, awe and filled with awe and wonder at who you are and how much you love them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great one. This podcast is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Don't forget to also subscribe to one of our other podcasts, Curate's Corner with Kim Thomas. Beginning next Friday, March 4th, and every Friday following during the season of Lent, we invite you to join Kim as she looks at the story of Jesus' last week as told through classic art, prayers, and scriptures. You can subscribe now to this weekly podcast on all major platforms, including the Village Chapel YouTube channel. You can find accompanying resources at lent.thevillagechapel.com. If you find this or any of our other podcasts beneficial, leave a review and share them with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Keggie.